So, welcome in to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Another two-hour Saturday afternoon edition of our little get-together. You and me and the Chicago White Sox. All of us going to talk a little baseball this afternoon. This is kind of a, a cool show, a cool day, really, to, to do a show. I've been looking forward to this one, actually, since the beginning of the year, since SoxFest, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll tell you why it's this one after I say how you can get involved with the show and, and exactly what we're up to this afternoon. Of course, and as always, you can get in touch with the show. We're going to do the mailbag segment a little later on in the show, and you've been leaving messages there at C1 McKnight. That's the Twitter handle. C, the number one, McKnight, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. That's our Twitter handle, and uh, you've been popping in a couple of things over the course of the last few weeks. Not all the questions have been about Ronaldo Lopez and when he's going to make his first start for the White Sox. Not every single one of them. Most, but not every single one of them. Uh, and we'll get to a lot of those. In fact, we've got some news a little bit later on, probably right after our first break. We'll let you know what's up with Ronaldo Lopez, perhaps. What's up with Ronaldo Lopez down there in Charlotte? Uh, we will also have a conversation with White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber. Uh, Jeremy and I spoke yesterday, so just prior to, and, and this is important because there's a little piece in the conversation. We'll break through some of the radio magic here. A little piece in the conversation where we talk about Carlos Rodon, and I imagine Jeremy might have said a few, might have might have expanded a little bit more. After Rodon's last outing last night against the Boston Red Sox, boy, was he fantastic. He now, Rodon, in his last three starts, has struck out 31 and walked only five. Granted, that comes with one really bizarre kind of start against the Cubs where he went four innings and struck out 11. 11 of the 12 out, four times three, 12. 11 to 11 of the 12 outs. He got Rolvia strikeout. He was all over the place, though, and kind of weird. And since then, has really um, chained things back to the strike zone. Anyway, we'll talk a bit about Rodon on the show this afternoon, of course, uh, and we'll talk a bit about him with Jeremy Haber, the White Sox assistant general manager. We're going to have that conversation right after the 4 o'clock news. So you're going to want to make sure you stay tuned for that. Right after the 4 o'clock news, we'll talk to White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber. You can lob us a phone call if you're so inclined, 312-591-8900. That's the phone number this afternoon. Uh, and, and really, we're kind of going to go all over the place with this show, looking back through the month that was for the White Sox for obvious reasons. Um, but you're welcome to chime in with whatever you'd like throughout the course of the afternoon, 312-591-8900. Uh, we may get a phone call as well a little bit later on from Boston I'll get you up to date on what's going on out there. We may hear from Ricky Renteria. It all kind of depends on when he has his conversation and chat with the White Sox beat reporters there in Boston. So let's start with this. A couple of pieces of news uh, before we get into the meat of today's show. It sounds as though Avi Garcia has taken some more BP and things are starting to feel a little bit better. We saw a couple of pictures, you know, the... Slightly fuzzy cell phone pictures from assorted White Sox beat reporters high above the field at Fenway. Avi Garcia was ostensibly the man underneath the uh, the batting cage and taking a little BP. Things felt all right for Avi. I don't know that necessarily perfect was something that he was feeling, uh, but feels pretty good after taking BP yesterday. He'll take BP again today, and both he and Ricky Renteria 
are both hoping that he doesn't need rehab games down in the minor leagues. That would be kind of an interesting thing. He'll probably take the full 10 to get back into to, to get back off of the disabled list. So it would be a good long stretch for Avi without playing and facing major league pitching or, or live pitching for that matter. But the thought is, or the hope is rather, from both he and Ricky Renneria, and, and we'll just have to wait and see. There's there's really no other way around it. We just kind of have to wait and see what's up with Avi uh, when he's feeling healthy and swinging it the way he'd like to. Uh, also, a little piece of news. I suppose we'll break this out right off the top. Rick, what's going on in Boston right now is the Sabre Seminar, right? It's a Sabermetric Seminar. All of the nerds of baseball get together into the nerdery and talk about our nerd. I wish I was there. I really do. Now, the, the Sabre Seminar, I, I joke about the nerd thing. It's kind of how baseball is run now. And, and I know a lot of White Sox fans, a lot of baseball fans in general are hip to that. Um, but for this, in this, at this seminar, Rick Hahn is one of the... I guess, invited guest speakers It would be how it works. In fact, uh, White Sox broadcaster Jason Benetti is there in Boston and moderating the whole thing, emceeing the whole thing. I don't know if moderating is uh, exactly what he's up to, but I- either way, he's there kind of being the face of that whole seminar. And in taking some questions from fans there at Sabre Seminar, Rick Hahn was asked when Ronaldo Lopez, I feel like we're... Just looking through the White Sox weekly mailbag. When will Ronaldo Lopez make his major league debut? Well, Rick kind of teased a little bit. You know how Rick Hahn can and do this every once in a while. He said maybe, maybe buy tickets for Friday is what he said. All right, so let's go through the calendar, shall we? Make sure we know exactly what's going on Friday for the White Sox. Well, if you look through, the White Sox have a, a tough go here. In fact, it's been kind of a tough couple of weeks, both results-wise and opponent-wise, after playing the Dodgers for two, who are, you know, the Dodgers, the White Sox got the Kansas City Royals and were swept by KC. KC is on charge. Played the Cubs, who are a darn good baseball team. The Indians, who played the Cubs in the World Series last year and are themselves a darn good baseball team. Three against the Toronto Blue Jays, who, you know, probably could have played a little cleaner baseball throughout for the White Sox in that last series at home. Now the Boston Red Sox. Look at the Houston Astros, who are out in front in the AL West by 78 games. It's not 78, but it feels like that. Then it's the Kansas City Royals again. So what it looks like is that maybe, maybe, maybe Friday you might see Ronaldo Lopez called up into the White Sox rotation. At least that's what Rick Hahn seems to have teased. He was asked about uh, when those prospects might call up. He said maybe buy tickets for Friday night. He said, of course, opponents factor in. Uh, Fenway, obviously a tough place to pitch, especially for a right-hander. Not to mention that Boston lineup is kind of a, well, it's kind of tough. Uh, Astros, the same thing. So perhaps Kansas City on Friday, we'll just have to wait and see. But we wouldn't be doing our job here on White Sox Weekly if we didn't bring you every little piece of salacious rumor and news, especially when, general manager of the ball club is making it so I, I don't know i guess we're all a little geeked up for friday against the royals we'll have to wait and see of course we'll let you know follow us on twitter wlsam 890 or c1 mcknight will uh will of course bring you the very latest with your chicago white Sox. speaking of stuff you can get out to the park for uh, you can head to the park for dollar hot dogs every wednesday home game through the rest of the season take advantage of this unbeatable deal uh, August 9th, as the Sox take on the Houston Astros at 7.10 p.m. Purchase tickets today 
by visiting whitesocks.com or by calling 866-SOX-GAME. So there you go. You could make yourself a, a Wednesday and Friday week of it. Head out to the ballpark. Gorge yourself on dollar. Hot dogs because you deserve it. And then Friday, turn it around and maybe, maybe you catch the uh, Major League debut of one Ronaldo Lopez. We don't know. We'll just have to see. I would imagine that when uh, White Sox beat reporters talk to Ricky Renteria in about, what is it, 4 over, 4.45 there, yeah, probably about 45 minutes or so, give or take, I would imagine that those are some of the questions posed to uh, to Ricky, especially since the general manager has made news. What we're going to do for the bulk of the show after we uh, have a conversation with White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber at 4.05, what we're going to do after that is – Take a look back at the last month the White Sox have gone through. And and I don't – listen, July of 2017 will be forever a franchise-altering month for the Chicago White Sox. There's no other way to look around it. July 13th, Richard Jose Quintana to the Cubs. July 19th, Frazier, Canely, and David Robertson to the Yankees. July 26th and then July 27th, Anthony Swarzak, then Dan Jennings – are traded to the Milwaukee Brewers and Tampa Bay Rays, respectively. Melky Cabrera on July 30th, day before the deadline, goes to the Kansas City Royals. And in many ways, and for many reasons, and through many players, that's going to define the next potentially 10 years of White Sox baseball. We wouldn't be doing the whole thing justice if we didn't take a look back and go through it. Maybe you were vacationing. Maybe you were in and out of the whole thing. And quite frankly, looking back through it, let's remember who got traded for what and which players came back. So what I did is make sure that we had, and it's mostly Rick Hahn talking throughout the last month about specifically the prospects that came back. You know, we talked about the circumstances of the deals and and how the, the Cubs deal came together so quickly over the all-star break and how that Yankees thing had been going on for quite some time. And the conversations were, uh, were kind of lengthy, I guess. And as soon as, not as soon as, but when the idea of packaging all three of those players together came around, you started getting that bigger return in Blake Rutherford. So I want to go through and get you little thumbnails as best we can on the players that came back. And then in our minor league report, our farm report, we're going to look through each one of those prospects and see what they've done since they've come over to the organization. Some have only had like four or five at-bats. Casey Gillespie, who was traded for Dan Jennings, uh, just came off the disabled list. And some uh, aren't quite ready to play yet. Ryan Cordell, who was traded for uh, Dan Jennings, hasn't been on the field yet. Got a little bit of back issues. So we'll have to wait and see for him. But a lot have played, and a lot have played really well, looking at Eloy Jimenez. So... We're going to look back and look through that. But when we come back, I want to talk a bit more about Carlos Rodon and a bit about Nicky Delmonico, too, because he's been called up into the mix here and had a couple of nice at-bats, some interesting outfield play, some good, some bad. And I think it speaks to a lot of what the rest of these White Sox rookies, and, and that's, that's more pejorative than I mean it to be, but guys who aren't on that top 100 list breaking into the big leagues and, and featuring in this White Sox ball club over the next year or so. 312-591-8900. That's just what I want to talk about. What you want to talk about, you let me know. Give me a ring. We'll make sure we address uh, what you're looking to get talked about here on White Sox Weekly. You can hit us on Twitter, too, at C1McKnight. That is the Twitter handle. A bit about Carlos Rodon, who has been on fire his last three starts. That's next. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. You can... 
commemorate the Hall of Fame career of White Sox star outfielder Tim Raines by purchasing a limited edition Tim Raines Hall of Fame dual bobblehead. This unique keepsake includes action shots of Tim's likeness as a White Sox and Expos player. Rock bobbleheads are just 40 bucks each and available while supplies last. Visit whitesox.com slash rockbobble. That's whitesox.com. That's one of our more fun. That's one of our more fun URLs we get to read in the promos here. Whitesox.com slash rockbobble to get yours today. Rockbobble also kind of sounds like a minor league outfielder who, you know, makes catches. Doesn't quite have the range, but when he gets to it, he makes catches. It's not pretty, but he handles it. He's got a good swings well. It doesn't run all that well, but obviously clearly works. Rock Bobble is a would be a great team for a, a minor leaguer in the White Sox system. It's not, though. That's the uh, end of the URL that you go to to get your commemorative Tim Raines bobblehead. He joined the Hall of Fame this past weekend. Pretty cool to watch. I don't know if you saw some of the enshrinement ceremony for some of those guys that went in. I, I have a feeling that we'll be talking to uh, Tim Raines sooner rather than later. I know he's got a, a date to come back through the ballpark and hang out and kind of be honored by the White Sox as he spent a good portion of his career here. Of course, you know, most known as, as an expo probably. I don't think, you know, it's, it won't rankle any feathers to say it. A handful of years here with the White Sox, and they were absolutely spectacular for sure. Um, Want to get into last night's ballgame some before we talk to the assistant general manager, Jeremy Haber right after the 4 o'clock news. Had a conversation with him yesterday. And I, I thought last night's ball game was a pretty fun one to watch. Didn't end up going the way the White Sox wanted it to. Red Sox won it 3-2. Mitch Moreland hit a walk-off shot against Aaron Bummer in the 11th inning. But I thought we saw some fun baseball. It was well-pitched, to be sure. Carlos Rodon probably outclassed Eduardo Rodriguez, though they both ended up giving two earned runs. Carlos went seven and two-thirds. He struck out 11. He did not walk anyone. He did not walk anyone. And I think, you know, as you look back through last night's game, maybe you missed it, maybe you're out, whatever. Um, I can tell you a couple things about it. The slider, both of them, because Carlos kind of has variations on it, throws kind of one, that, you know, the back foot, the swing and miss kind of thing, and the other that's a little um, it's a little wider, a little, uh, you know, kind of more side-to-side break, a little less down on it that he can throw for strikes, I guess, to a certain degree. Both of them were fantastic in doing what he wanted them to do. Fastball was fine. Changeup was okay. Strike zone was somewhat large last night, and I think both he and Eduardo Rodriguez benefited from that some, but it was relatively consistent, and when you see that as a ball player, hitter or a pitcher, you recognize it and you attack it. So I think you can check off a couple of boxes for Carlos in last night's start. To say nothing of the fact that over his last three, I think things have really kind of congealed back together. It wasn't pretty to watch against the Cubs. Striking out three and four innings all over the place with his pitch count. Real up high and and not kind of figuring out exactly what he was trying to do. Kind of fighting himself, really. And I think when Carlos is... When Carlos struggles, it's, it's, it's fighting himself and fighting some of those mechanics. And both he and Don Cooper and Kurt Hassler, the bullpen coach, the two of them worked very closely with Coop to, uh, with Rodon rather, to make sure that he's remembering his keys and finding out, like, okay, if, if this pitch starts to go like this, then I'm doing X. You know, that, it's making sure that those little things, those details are attended to and fixed within starts. 
for Carlos. I think that's where he's at in his development. I think to a certain degree, all pitchers have that. When things start getting a little loose out there, it's up to yourself. You know, you can do as much work as you want in that bullpen session on your side days in between starts in the off season. But if you don't have it between the noggin to essentially fix it yourself out there with a little help from your catcher and going into the dugout in between and looking at some stuff. But, you know, pitches happen right then and there on the mound. And I think, you know, to a certain degree, making sure that you're healthy and strong through the rest of the season, whatever it happens to be for Carlos is, you know, job number one. But fixing up those ends of the game as well, making sure that you're confident, that he's confident in his stuff and how to attack hitters, that he can attack hitters the way he's looking to do it. I think those are all massive, massive points of his development for what's left of this season. You know, given that it didn't start out healthy for Carlos, and we'll talk a bit about that with Jeremy Haber in a couple of minutes here, given that it didn't start out healthy, you know, what can you accomplish in these last couple of months? And I, I happen to know that Carlos and, and the White Sox, specifically Don Cooper and Kurt Hassler, are working to make the absolute most, as they would with just about any player, the absolute most out of what's left in this season. Uh, the other start Carlos had in his last three, that, of course, was against the Indians, six and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, two walks there, only one earned run. That was a solo shot from Francisco Lindor. That was kind of an interesting game to watch, too, with Carlos. Because he struck out Lindor leading off the game on three pitches, and Lindor looked like he had never seen a baseball before in his life. He gets the tater in the third. He's Francisco Lindor. He doesn't look all that bad that often. Uh, and then he got him on another really good uh, really good comebacker, uh, good pitch sequencing that, that earned Carlos the comebacker on Francisco Lindor. Uh, another well-pitched game. And for Carlos, you know, for the White Sox, really, with what's on this 25-man roster, with how you're going to see this play out for the next, you know, two months, August and into September and one day in October, I, I think, you know, watching Carlos Rodon starts is going to be a blast. Looking to see how well Tim Anderson can get things back on track. And then looking to see what other call-ups might happen. In case you missed it, off the top of the show, we mentioned that Rick Hahn out at the Sabre Seminar in Boston had um, teased a little bit that perhaps you might want to uh, head over to your preferred ticket buyer. Maybe you got a guy. You just go to WhiteSox.com, scoop up a couple of tickets for Friday is what he said. Whether it happens, whether it doesn't, whether that's Ronaldo Lopez, whether it's someone, I I couldn't tell you. But it, it has felt for a while now that it's probably time for Ronaldo Lopez to get another challenge, get the next challenge. He's pretty well established down there in AAA and probably ready for some major league bats as his, uh, as his next opponents. Been nice to watch Nicky Delmonico too. Actually, both he and Yoan Mancata last night had some interesting ball games. The strikeouts were there. Delmonico punched out twice, uh, but did have three hits, three for five. He had a double, scored two runs in that fourth inning, had a single off Craig Kimbrell. Not many people do that, especially this season. In fact, it's very hard to get anything off of Craig Kimbrell, perhaps ever. Yohan Mankata was two for four with a walk, still being incredibly patient at the plate. And I think to a certain degree, and I know a lot of people have written about this, uh, James Fegan of The Athletic, one of them, Dan Hayes, CSN, has written a lot about it too. And I think the guys at Southside Sox have probably punched up an article or two on this as well. So it's pretty well talked about. And it should be, considering Yohan Mankata is 
you know, first of all, baseball's top prospect and the first player to arrive as part of this next chapter of, of White Sox baseball. He's been incredibly passive at the plate. And I don't mean that, I guess passive kind of connotates a negative vibe, right? Like, oh, he's just kind of laying back and not doing anything. He's, he's been, he's taken some called thirds. Some have been in there, some have not. And I think, you know, in so much as he is going to be a swing and miss guy, not not just in a, a strikeout standpoint, but there will be times where in a 1-1 count, he's letting it loose on something he's found, uh, something he looks like he's he thinks he's going to get, and he, he has some swing and miss to his game. You're going to see some strikeouts from the young man, just the way he, that player is. I think all across the league, you're becoming more and more accustomed. We're becoming more and more accustomed to strikeout type players. It's been going on for a long time. Nothing new there. But I'm a little surprised, and I think a lot of people are, just how comfortable Mankata is taking pitches. I think that can be a good thing. I know Todd Severson talks a lot, White Sox hitting coach, talks a lot about make sure that you go up there with the idea of of the idea that you know what your pitch is going to be in this at bat, what you're looking for from this guy, whether it be a starter, whether it be a reliever, that kind of thing. And then when you get it, be ready for it. Don't miss it. Be, I guess, selectively aggressive in that sense. And maybe there's a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of give and take. Maybe Yoan needs to come back to that approach just a little bit, being a type of guy who's as comfortable hitting with two strikes or as comfortable seeing as many pitches as he has too, will likely pay dividends for him uh, down the future as well. Had two hits last night, two for four with a walk, one of them off Craig Kimbrell. Be interesting to see what he's up to uh, this evening against the Boston Red Sox too. When we come back, a conversation with White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber. Talk a lot about this organization, what it's been up to the last month or so, and what the future looks like. You got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome back to the White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and we are joined by the assistant general manager of the White Sox, Jeremy Haber. Jeremy, thanks so much for coming on the show. Good to be with you, Connor. Let's start here. Let's go back to this whole trade deadline thing. Kind of a big moment for the White Sox, I think. Maybe a uh, an era-defining kind of month or so. If I told you, Jeremy, 12 months ago, let, let's say I, I had the Back to the Future DeLorean, I had the Almanac and the whole thing, and I told you... <laughs> that you'd make all these trades with the returns you got, how do you think you would have reacted a year ago? Uh, I think uh, obviously when we went out uh, and, and, you know, defined the strategy that we were, we were going to start with, which, which entailed taking a a step back to take a step forward. You know, there's a, there's a bit of faith there that we're going to be able to execute and we're going to be able to find the impact players that we need to build the next championship core. Uh, and obviously we're thrilled that, that we think we have. Um, and not just not just those elite talent in, in Moncada, Jimenez, and Robert, um, but the, the, the depth pieces that are going to build out not just the 25-man roster, but depth throughout the 40-man. So we're obviously ecstatic at you know, how the last 12 months have played out, uh, but there's still a whole bunch of development um, that, that goes into getting these guys here and contributing at the major league level. So going back to the the phone calls and the moves that got made, did you find as an organization that this market was different, better, worse, or more of a buyer's market or more of a seller's market than you thought it might be maybe when you started the season or even, heck, when, when June started? Sure. I, I think one of the things um, that, it, 
that, that, that you definitely see is uh, the, the market comes and goes. Um, you know, it's not like there's a, a an even, you know, drumbeat up to the trade deadline. Sometimes teams will be very interested, and then that interest can, can dissipate. Um, or you can have a situation like uh, with an trade where a big deal comes together very quickly. Um, so it's not a it's not a constant thing where you know you can say this you know the market was better in, in June than it was in December, uh, and that's one of the things that we have to navigate is you know how how are we doing um, in terms of when's the right time to sell. Um, obviously, we were able to get the return for Quintana that we were happy with, uh, thrilled with that we couldn't get in December. So in that regard, it was certainly better. What, what do you find makes that interest with another team? Because you guys have been on both sides. You guys have picked up players, and you guys have sold players. What do you think makes that interest wax and wane the way it does? Are there more, those more internal factors within another team? Maybe a, a prospect is on the come or something like that? Or is it something else externally? Sure. It's a number of things. It could be an injury in the major league team. It could be where they're sitting in the standings. Uh, it could be, you know, the internal strategy discussions where they want to go uh, for the for the off season or or at the trade deadline. I think those things come together over the course of weeks as you as you gear up to the trade deadline, and all of a sudden the team could be more or less interested. As the White Sox came up to you know Soxfest in January, and now through these trades and through the deadline, there were fans, and we took some calls here on the post game show and whatnot who despite everything that Rick said and that you said and that Kenny had said, weren't sure that this would happen, maybe even to this degree. Does that surprise you at all? Is that just kind of the nature of baseball, people having to you know see it before they really believe it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's one of the, one of the pastimes of baseball is getting to, getting to complain and chirp about the, <laughs> the management of your favorite team. Uh, that, that, goes, that goes with the territory. And, you know, we, we obviously are – uh, pleased with the way that we've gone uh, and how this how this rebuild has has started, but we haven't proved it yet. Uh, and White Sox fans are rightly wanting to to see it happen. Uh, so we we expect that. Uh, I think over the next year or so, you're going to start to see the leading edge of the talent that's coming. Uh, obviously, Mokata's up, and 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 people are starting to see what he's capable of, and that's going to continue as as new guys come come up. I guess if Dodger fans could hate Branch Rickey back in the day, then anybody's kind of fair target. <laughs> no doubt. Talking the White Sox assistant general manager, Jeremy Haber, here on White Sox Weekly. Uh, Jeremy, Rick mentioned you a couple of times this month, crediting you for uh, extensions that you helped get done with uh, Quintana and Eaton, and I think even a little bit on the sales side of things. I'm not sure if you were there yet, but I, I think he mentioned you in both of those. How much do you think that those contracts – as they were constructed and as they were put on the market with the player, how much do you think those boosted the value for each guy? I think every team's looking at, at performance and, and control and, and what that, what that combination costs. Uh, we've, we've tried to, you know, starting with the, starting with the sale contracts and even before that tried to extend guys at the time, because that was in our championship window. We wanted to win with those guys. It was not with the, any thought that we'd be where we are now. Um, but I think anytime we have the opportunity to to work on something like that, where the player gets cost certainty and and, and the team can 
can can extend control over the player, it's a win-win situation. And I think other teams saw it similarly. Is that added value, that kind of control and certainty, can you take that into account as an organization when you're drawing up those papers, when you know that you know, you're know you adding like seven points of, of resiliency onto this guy or whatever it happens to be? I mean, sure. can you look at it in that sort of macro level or not? I think with any with anything, uh, whether it's a free agent contract or a multi-year extension, if you're projecting several years out, you know, modesty is a good place to start in terms of your ability to project the future. Uh, it, it's certainly something we think about, uh, but it's 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 more of a you know this it's more of a range of possible outcomes than this is going to add a specific amount of value to to a player uh but we're because we're of course taking on risk not all deals like this work out uh for the club and sometimes you're ending up paying a player that's no longer in the game or injured uh many years after he's no longer on the team uh so we're we're mindful of both possible outcomes uh but this is this is the industry we're in this is the business we're in which is taking baseball risk uh and and you know in in most of the time it comes down to both the evaluation of the player and that player's makeup. Uh, is this the type of player that we're comfortable betting on in the long term? And that's most often a makeup consideration. Where do you think those early contract extensions are at throughout the game? You know, if you were to zoom out and look at the next like five years or so, you know, we, we saw it kind of start with the Devin Longoria contract and the Rays because of the way talent is skewing some to younger players in this game because of how a couple of trends are working. Do you think those early extensions are? perhaps going away is getting them a kind of I, I hate to use the buzzword but i mean i'm almost forced to contractually a market inefficiency <laughs> well I, I think i think john hart and and, and the guys the indians would, would, would say it's it's been going back a long time sure um i think there's a i, I think the the fundamental trade of giving a a young guy whether he's 20 years old or 25 years old or anywhere in between uh, lifetime financial security uh, th- that will always be appealing. Um, of course, the the, the economics uh, change over time, uh, and the amount of money we're talking about changes over time. But I think for some guys that will always be appealing, and some guys will may, may be in the position that they want to they want to bet on themselves and they want to bet on the maximum possible value they could get. Uh, and that's you know I think that 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 dynamic will be true for a long time. It seems, Jeremy, ostensibly that there are uh, two players that kind of fit that category on the White Sox 25-man roster right now. There may indeed be more. I, I don't mean to single two guys out necessarily. I, I'm sure the organization likes a couple of guys that are up there now, young players, but Tim Anderson has the lifetime financial security. Carlos okay. Rodon has the seemingly talent to get to that point. How would you evaluate their seasons so far? Absolutely. I mean, Carlos obviously started later than uh, anyone would have hoped, dealing with some shoulder stiffness early on and then taking the normal progression to get back. Uh, I think we've seen the, what he's capable of uh, when, when he's on and when he's commanding uh, his fastball and he, and he throws his plus slider. It's, it's a tough combination for, for major league hitters. Carlos will be the first to tell you that in order to get the the most effectiveness, he's got to get deeper in games and, and he's, he's started doing that and, like White Sox fans are only starting to see what he's capable of. Uh, Timmy is adapting to his first year in, in the big leagues, um, and every every player who comes up faces that first adjustment period. 
he's got the the type of talent and makeup that, that he's he's going to get there. With both of those young men and and forming a core of the future, I, I guess I have to ask you this: it, hypothetically speaking, Jeremy, not necessarily for the White Sox, but theoretically, how many rookies can a team have in a starting rotation at one time? Uh, five. <laughs> I don't think there's. Uh, there's like a I multiple think, choice. Just I mean, click six. The, yeah, five. If we're gonna go to a, a, a six man. Uh, we 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 talk about you know when is a guy ready to come to the big leagues as an individual uh, individual evaluation the you know the guy on the mound and how is he going to attack major league hitters when a guy's when a guy's ready to do that uh, he's going to come up and the the hitter isn't looking at you know is this guy a rookie or is this guy got eight years he's looking at the ball out of the hand and mm-hmm. and trying to compete. As as much as though as you have to do some you know risk evaluation if you if you had theoretically multiple rookies I mean you'd, you'd be perhaps tapping a bullpen a couple of times if a guy has a you know fairly typically rookie start I, I mean if and it's a good problem to have if you have a bunch of talent come online at the same time you theoretically create a couple of issues for the club are those just issues you're willing to have considering the talent that might be there absolutely we know that going into this going into this process on both sides of the ball we're going to have a young team that that is something that that Ricky has embraced from the the day he got here he said the development continues in the big leagues and that is you know ex- ex- expecting that young guys aren't aren't to finish product they may be ready to compete at the big league level but they're not they're not going to be at their peak and one of the benefits we have uh, in this cycle is that these guys are going to learn to compete at the big league level together. And whatever challenges that that presents, we will, we will have to deal with at the time. Jeremy, last one for you before we let you go. I, I've been asking this to a, a number of guys in the organization. I think I asked uh, Nick Hostetler this and, and Rick this at different times, and I'm, I'm wondering how you might look at it too. For Sox fans, right, your advice to White Sox fans who are going to watch or, or not watch, maybe more importantly, more minor league baseball in the next year or so, what what would be your advice on how fans should pay attention to minor league ball? Some people have the MLIB package. Some sure. people are just going to look at stat lines, which can be very misleading at a minor league level. How would you tell them to look at some of those young players? Absolutely. I, I think the it's an exciting time be able to, to look into the, the White Sox minor league system and see the type of talent that we have coming up. Uh, I think you want to take into account, you know, a progression. You know, what is the trend line for a guy? Uh, even if the, the final product isn't there, I think you want to look at some of the underlying things like his age relative to the level he's playing at. Sure. Uh, and and how how is he doing on things that we think translate to major league success in terms of commanding strike zone as a pitcher or distinguishing uh, balls and strikes as a hitter and, and you know, impacting the ball uh, power-wise as a hitter. You know, these are these are the types of things that if you do consistently or you, you demonstrate the ability to do it at a young age – that gives you the chance to progress. I think you're seeing that right now as Nicky Delmonico makes his big league debut. Uh, you know, this is a guy who came up through the system and, and, and has shown some of those things that we think he can translate to the big league. Jeremy, really appreciate you coming on the show. Great talking with you, and we'll see you back at Guaranteed Rate Field in a couple of days. Anytime, Connor. Thank you.
That is White Sox assistant general manager Jeremy Haber. Great conversation with him. Good guy to talk with about uh, what's going on with the Sox. I'm glad he could hop on the show this afternoon. You can join us on Saturday, August 12th, as the Sox take on the Kansas City Royals at 6.10 p.m. The first 15,000 fans in attendance will receive a specially designed cap that brings the White Sox and iconic Chicago flag together. Visit WhiteSox.com to get your tickets today. Yeah, I keep saying we got to find out the next thing we're giving away here on White Sox Weekly. Now that the trade deadline is over, now that, I mean, that was a busy month of July, we really got to get our act together. Maybe, maybe that's the hat. I've seen it. It's pretty cool. That's the hat we snag and hand out for everybody. Of course, I probably have to get one, too. I don't know. Lots to do. All right. So a couple of things to catch you up on as we approach this next break here and then the 430 news. Let's see how we want to do this. All right. Coming up, uh, one thing that Jeremy said uh, about watching minor league prospects that I found is a common theme throughout. Maybe you've heard it before. So it might be old news. Maybe you haven't. It could help you as you're watching some of these young prospects come up through the minor leagues for the White Sox. And we've got a little bit of development with what might be happening Friday at Guaranteed Rate Field and what particular rookie may or may not be coming up. It's uh, it's become a thing, so we'll follow the thing here for you. I'm Connor McKnight. you got White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. See why millions of professionals choose DeWalt. From their rich history and proven performance to their focus on innovation and technology, DeWalt tools are guaranteed tough, designed to withstand the toughest job site conditions. Whether you're a construction professional, woodworker, mechanic, plumber, carpenter, or electrician, you'll find a DeWalt tool that meets your needs. DeWalt, the official tools of the Chicago White Sox. News Talk Evolved. WLS AM 890. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. Just got done having a conversation with White Sox Assistant General Manager Jeremy Haber. Good conversation there. In case you missed it, you can head to the website WLSAM.com. Go to the White Sox tab, the White Sox Weekly tab, in fact, and you can find every single episode of White Sox Weekly, including all of the interviews therewith contained. You can download them and listen to them at your convenience. Uh, We make it easy for you to keep up to date on your White Sox. That's how you do it. WLSAM.com, White Sox tab, download everything you could possibly find. You want to keep you up to date on a a couple of little pieces of news and notes going on here. In case you missed it at the start of the show, it's been kind of interesting to watch develop over the last hour and a half or so. This thing out in Boston, not the White Sox-Red Sox game tonight, although our pregame show starts in just about an hour, 535. There is the Sabre seminar out in Boston. Uh, White Sox play-by-play man Jeremy uh, Jason Benetti, we just talked to Jeremy Haber, sorry, Jason Benetti, uh, is out there moderating the whole thing. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn was one of the invited guests. He spoke. Apparently he took some questions. Apparently one of those questions asked was, when is Bernardo Lopez coming up? I'll look here on the show last couple of weeks. He said, Hahn said, jokingly a little bit, but said, that maybe you want to buy some tickets for Friday. It is now kind of, uh, it sounds like the White Sox beat has spoken with Han and perhaps Ricky Renteria as well. In fact, looking at our producer down, we, we do have Ricky Renteria has spoken and we've got that. Okay, so we'll bring that back for you on the show uh, as these developments have clearly warranted hearing from Ricky Renteria this afternoon. 
Rick Hahn has said that the White Sox do intend on having Ronaldo Lopez start tomorrow for the Charlotte Knights, as was on the schedule. But we knew that. We knew that. We knew that. Thank you. Hold your applause. We knew that. We knew that. He was going to start for Charlotte the whole way through. In fact, it's kind of a fun schedule through the weekend uh, for White Sox starters in the minor leagues. And we'll get to the minor league report in a bit, and we'll talk a lot about the prospects the White Sox acquired over the last month or so. Uh, but Ronaldo Lopez is on schedule to start on Sunday. That means Friday would be his next turn in the rotation. Uh, and Rick Hahn said that they will address the rotation, including Friday's starter, on Tuesday the White Sox have an off day on Monday. So, you know, just wanted to keep you up to date. Um, here's what we'll do here. I'll tell you this. And then when we come back from the 430 News, we'll hear from Ricky Renteria and perhaps parse any details he may or may not have had. Uh, then we will get into all the moves the White Sox have made since the month of July started. Uh, we'll even talk a little bit about Luis Robert, who was back into the Dominican Summer League. MLB.com at bat is your number one mobile app for live White Sox baseball. Stay connected with a fully customizable experience. Get White Sox home screen icons and app features, as well as game day, live game video highlights, radio broadcasts, statcast news, and more. Download MLB.com at bat today. You know what's coming up. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Sox fans, join us for Rock and Roll Night and Fireworks presented by Guaranteed Rate on Friday, August 11th. Rock out to live cover bands before and during the game. Then head to the park on Saturday the 12th, and the first 15,000 will take home a specially designed cap that brings the White Sox and the iconic Chicago flag together. Continue the fun all summer long with Coca-Cola Family Sundays every Sunday home game and Dollar Hot Dogs every Wednesday home game. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com today. How would you like to make an extra $1,200 to $7,800 monthly safely investing in real estate tax lien certificates? Hi, I'm Tony Martinez, co-founder of USTLA, and over the last 20 years, I've been investing in tax lien certificates, making 16% to 25% secured fixed returns while acquiring highly discounted properties mortgage-free. Now, I want to show you how to with my 50-page revealing report called Proof why tax lien certificates are the superior vehicle for your financial success. In my report, you'll learn where to find tax lien certificates, how to safely earn 16 to 25% secured fixed returns, and how to acquire valuable real estate at huge discounts mortgage-free. Now, for a limited time, I'll give anyone that calls a free copy of my powerful new report. Call 800-445-0327 now to get Tony's free report. Call 800-445-0327 in the next 30 minutes, and Tony will give you two free tickets to his live training coming to the Chicago area. Call 800-445-0327. That's 800-445-0327 for your free report now. Hi, I'm Minnie Driver. Ovarian cancer can affect women of all ages, even in their 20s. There's no early detection test and symptoms can be subtle. So know your risk factors, such as family history of cancer and presence of gene mutations like BRCA. Take control of your health. Talk to your family and your doctor. The sooner the better. Meanwhile, We'll continue our collaborative research into diagnosis and treatment. To learn more, go to su2c.org slash ovarian. Naturally increase your body's own HGH and feel 10 to 20 years younger. Repeat, naturally increase your body's own HGH and feel 10 to 20 years younger with GHR Platinum. Tune in with Dr. West this Sunday morning at 1130 or visit growyoungnow.com. John Ray back bright and early Monday morning at 6 with cleanup tips. Helpful hints on how to clean the city up after Booza Palooza and the kids all go back home. Have a terrific weekend. WLS AM 890.
Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. We got an hour before our pregame show festivities begin. It'll be a party because it's Saturday and we can do that. We don't even need a reason why. 535 starts the pregame show for the White Sox and Red Sox. We will uh, we'll also get you, of course, Ed and DJ right about 6 o'clock. First pitch at 610. Your pitching matchup tonight is James Shields and Drew Pomerantz. For the White Sox and Red Sox lineups are out as well. And I can tell you a couple things about them. Here's what we're going to do in the next uh, for this next few minutes. Uh, Ricky Renteria has spoken with reporters in Boston. So we're going to take a listen to that together. Uh, looking forward to hearing from Ricky and talking a little. Uh, last night's game was, I don't, teaching moments all over the place, right? And, and worthwhile stuff, plus pretty decent baseball and an exciting game to boot. It didn't end the way the White Sox wanted it to, 3-2, Red Sox win it. But I thought a fun game and, and a couple of um, learning points for Sox fans in so much as, oh, here's what a couple of these young players can do. Yuan Mankata with two late hits. Nicky Delmonico pacing the offense, three for five. I thought it was pretty fun. Carlos Rodon, fantastic stuff. So we'll hear from Ricky in just a few. Your lineup looks like this. Tim Anderson leads off. He's at short. Tyler Saladino is going to play third. Jose Abreu batting three, playing first. Kevin Smith batting four, catching, of course. Lurie Garcia is in right. Yoan Mancata is at second base. Delmonico is in left and hitting seven. Adam Engel is in center field. And Alan Hansen DHs. He will bat nine. So... I would imagine what you're going to hear from Ricky Renneria has a lot to do with uh, Matt Davidson and Avi Garcia, perhaps getting back into the lineup relatively soon. And I will also tell you that although we heard a couple of, um, well, we heard Rakan apparently at the Sabre seminar in Boston kind of tease the fact that perhaps Ronaldo Lopez may be on his way up and starting a game late this week for the White Sox. Uh, we'll we'll hear whether or not Ricky Renteria gets asked that question and whether he's got a response to it too. So here is uh, this just a couple of minutes ago and felt like bringing it to you obviously for the uh, portent of perhaps some news and perhaps uh, some elucidating comments on last night's game as well. Here's the manager of the White Sox, Ricky Renteria. How impressed are you by the, the confidence of these young kids? I'm not saying like cockiness, but talking to Bumper today, he's, he's ready to go again. You yeah. know, I, I, listen, I think that they take everything with a grain of salt. I think they take their moments, whether they're good or bad, and I think they're doing a nice job of trying to keep them in perspective. I think our kids uh, come in with a, a note of confidence, not necessarily arrogance, because they're not arrogant. They're just uh, young men, and all of them should be. Uh, when you're here, uh, confidence is one of the biggest things that you can carry with you, the belief in oneself, and so, uh, and they deservedly uh, should be that way, and I think that uh, they're going to have bumps and bruises along the way, but uh, as they continue to learn and, and continue to go out there and execute and do what they need to do, I hope that confidence continues to grow. Obviously, he's doing very, very well, actually. Um, like we said, yesterday he took VP, uh, did some work uh, the day before with soft toss. Uh, he said he was feeling good. He's going to take PP today again, and then we'll continue to see how he's feeling after uh, his work sessions. But he's getting treated daily uh, multiple times to make sure that he gets uh, control of that, you know, discomfort. David said he's taking BP today, too. Yep, David's going to take BP. I just spoke to him 
maybe 45 minutes ago he came in and uh, said he's feeling much better, the discomfort is subsiding. Uh, he still feels it, feels it in the, in the motion or, or two, but we know that there's nothing structurally wrong. Uh, that you know discomfort for many of us when you're when you're feeling that way is due to a little bit of the inflammation. Obviously, he was hit in a very sensitive area, but uh, he's coming along very well. Uh, Davidson and Moncada hit back to back at Charlotte, uh, one and two. But is, uh -huh. that, is there is that part of the thinking with them being back to back here now too? Uh, it's not necessarily that. I think it had more to do with, with the matchups. It's kind of coincidence that they're hitting back to back with each other a little bit. Uh, I think that as we continue to develop and kind of uh, grow an understanding of, of uh, how they're doing and, and things of that nature, and again, the matchups, right now we are in a position in which we can try a lot of different things. And so we're going to go ahead and take advantage of that opportunity while still trying to, you know, go out and win a ball game on a daily basis to the best of our ability. You picked it up down there, Del Monte. Yeah. Del Monte, yes. You, you obviously don't like to lose, of course. No. I've it all along, but you seem to be taking it in stride, knowing it is what it is, what you're dealing with, what your roster looks like right now. Well, I, I have to keep perspective. Uh, I, I think that the, that the worst thing that I can do as a manager, anybody that's leading a group of men, is to you know accentuate frustration. I'm preaching a certain approach. I've got to follow my own my own preaching. You know, obviously we're looking for the victories at the end of the day. We also do our own evaluating of what's going on during a ball game. What we do, don't do. It would be foolish of me to, to tell them to do one thing and then me take a different tack. I've got to put it behind me every day and get ready for the next one. Every day we come in, all of us as coaches and players, come in ready to, to uh, approach this game uh, with fresh eyes and, and a fresh spirit. Uh, it truly is uh, the only way you can perform and, and, and have a chance for success in the long term. I think in the end, talent and execution of that talent is what's going to give us the opportunity to win more ball, more ball games on a consistent basis. And, and, and more than anything, it's the execution. It's not like this has caught, caught you off guard either. You're no. going back to spring training. You kind of look ahead and see that this is Well, I thought, I thought, you know, even from spring training, we continue to be consistent even today with the message. We're going out there to try to win every single day. We knew uh, that there might be a time in which change was going to start to occur. We were going to lose a number of bodies. But that does not take away from the confidence level that I have in these young men and what they're capable of doing. Uh, the difference is going to be how consistently they're able to come out and perform and do and act in certain situations that give us a chance to either drive a run in in a, in a, in a key situation, execute a pitch, and then we have to learn from those things. But uh, no, I mean, obviously it's not catching me off guard. I think uh, all in all, I'm still very, very confident with uh, all the men that we have here right now. That's White Sox manager Ricky Renteria. A couple of uh, updates there. Sounds like uh, Matt Davidson's getting back into the swing of things fairly soon just waiting for a lot of that discomfort to go down he's out of the lineup tonight kind of the same situation for avi garcia though it's eh, kind of still up in the air as to whether or not he's going to take any rehab games down in the minor leagues you can join the white Sox in honoring chicago area police and fire departments this thursday august 10th for police and fire night the first 10,000 fans receive a special police and fire night commemorative t-shirt presented by ul for more than a century ul has been committed to fire safety. Learn more at ul.com slash fire to purchase tickets for the game. Visit whitesox.com slash pdfd. That's whitesox.com slash pdfd. Or, as always, 
Call 866-SOX-GAME. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll start getting into the month that was for the Chicago White Sox and kind of refresh your course on all of the prospects that got picked up. Baseball America actually ranked all of the prospects that were traded over this deadline. Kind of cool. We'll let you know where all the White Sox uh, prospects acquired fell in the rankings. Uh, and it's really kind of a whole large pot of farm report coming up after this. So we will begin the farm report. That's coming up next on WLS AMA 90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Really the whole rest of the show is a big, giant farm report. Because what I wanted to do on this show, and the reason I've been looking forward, I said this right off the top of the show, the reason I've been looking forward to the August 5th edition of this show is because that would be our first one after the MLB trade deadline. And I think everybody in baseball, everybody knew that this trade deadline was going to be a giant one for the Chicago White Sox. It indeed was and will continue to be. I mean, that'll be a month of transactions, of baseball that will shape this franchise for years and years and years to come. It's just the way they did it. So what I wanted to do was look back through some of the transactions that got made, but specifically, you know, I didn't want to talk necessarily about the players that left, not at this point, more than we likely will in many shows to come. And I didn't want to talk about the deals themselves, how they came together, what might have been out there, the timeline and all that kind of stuff. What I wanted to do was highlight the prospects that the White Sox got back and maybe just try and remind everybody who got what in which trade, where they went, and what they've been up to. I mean, that's kind of the basis of a farm report. We're going to see a couple of these guys uh, pitching and hitting in the White Sox system over the next couple of days here as the rotation kind of rolls around for instance. Um, I believe it is a well, the, the Winston-Salem dash. We'll get a Dylan Cease start at some point in the next two days or so, as long as they don't get rain. There's been so much rain throughout that whole southeast. But what we're going to do is start with this. General manager of the club, Rick Hahn, spoke at various points after all of these trades, whether it was uh, on a conference call where the audio quality is eh, suspect. We're going to play it for you anyway because he's the GM. I'm not. Uh, or or whether it was in the clubhouse or or you know, bowels of guaranteed rate field and, and talking about these guys acquired. So what we'll start with, if you remember, these trades went like this. July 13th, Jose Quintana was traded to the Cubs for Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, Brian Fletta, and Matt Rose. Here's what Rick Hahn had to say on a conference call when he surprised everybody with the deal on July 13th. Uh, we feel in this, uh, this package of prospects that we received today, not only was far and away uh, the best offer, best possibility that we've discussed with any club uh, since we started this process you know, roughly a, a year ago or so, uh, but it's one that allows us to, to continue to add to the prospect base that we've uh, accumulated in a potentially high-impact way. Uh, obviously, everyone's familiar with, with Eloy from his time, time with the Cubs. We view him as one of the most exciting prospects in the game today potential middle-of-the-order impact bat, uh, plus bat speed, feel for, the, feel for the barrel, uses the whole field and, and the tools to be a, a plus defender on the corner. Uh, it's not every day you get access to uh, a potential talent like this. Uh, usually it occurs only via the top of the draft or uh, international moves, like similar to what we did with Luis Robert a few weeks back. 
but moving a player like Quintana gives you the opportunity to, to add talent like this, uh, as well as Dylan Cease, who was a player that we coveted in the draft as well. However, the Cubs beat us to the punch in, in getting him done for the, uh, I believe it was a million five when they took him in the sixth round. Uh, he's got a potential uh, front end of the rotation starter, three plus pitches, and tremendous makeup. Uh, the other two players, Lette, whose name I'm maybe butchering, and I apologize, well, apologize to him in person when I talk to him, uh, and Rose are, are interesting prospects and, and guys who are still developing and will help round out our system. But. We certainly feel we've uh, added additional uh, impact talent to the organization, and again, we feel we're closer to uh, our long-term goal of putting ourselves in a position to go on an extended run and contend for multiple championships here in the not-too-distant future, hopefully. So that was the initial take from Rakan on that trade of Jose Quintana. Eloy Jimenez, obviously the headlining piece coming back. Rick would say at points in this conference call that the deal doesn't happen. In fact, he'd say that... There was nothing for us to talk about with the Cubs if Eloy wasn't included. He gave kind of a, a much more in-detail thumbnail on Eloy. You know, we view him not, and I think the industry as well, so it's not just our potentially biased opinion or subjective opinion. Uh, we view him as similar to Moncada, where, where probably Yon was in his development perhaps a year before we acquired him, uh, with the potential to grow into a... Uh, potent offensive force. Again, one of the more exciting prospects in baseball with a diverse skill set uh, that can impact the game multiple ways. Uh, we, This deal, uh, there's nothing for us to talk about with the Cubs without Jimenez being part of it. And, and to uh, Dio's credit and his people's credit and the entire Cub organization, uh, in the end, I think they saw what we saw, that from a logic standpoint and from a baseball standpoint this deal just made too much sense for both sides and and neither side let any uh non-baseball factors interfere with the decision to move forward and do what is best for each of the two clubs based upon where each of us are in our in our respective success cycles so to speak eloy jimenez was voted minor league player of the month for july since coming over to the white Sox organization in fact remember he just crossed over the uh, of the dugout they were playing uh, the myrtle beach pelicans at the time that was his old team winston-salem dash his new team since coming over he's at 71 at bats all he's done is hit 352 is on base is 418 He's slugged at 690. He has five home runs for the Winston-Salem Dash. He is absolutely tearing up. And really, though he was having a, a good season up to that point, a very, very good season. Don't, I don't want to sell it short. Very, very good season up to that point. He has seemingly stepped it up since then um, and, and really kind of turned things on to the point where I, I wouldn't be surprised if Eloy Jimenez, as long as they feel he's become accustomed to the coaching and how the White Sox like to get things done, um, if if there, he's got a promotion left in him before this season is out. Dylan Cease, one of the big arms coming back. We'll let you know how he's doing down there in A-ball as well. But first, here's Rick Hahn on Dylan Cease. Again, we view him as a potential front end of the rotation starter. Obviously, he uh, is being eased back into that, that role uh, following the, the Tommy John surgery coming out of the draft. Uh, and following, uh, he actually recently had an ankle sprain that caused him to miss a little bit of time. So this is a this is a year where you know not too dissimilar from OPEC. It's a matter of him taking the ball every fifth day and getting a full year of development under his belt. 
from a stuff standpoint, it's returned to the level, well, shoot, it's probably returned to the level that we projected it to get to during the draft. Uh, he certainly has uh, three, in our opinion, three potential out pitches and uh, a, a work ethic and makeup that allows him to potentially be that front-end type guy. When you hear three potential out pitches in a scouting report, that's a good thing. That should pique your interest. Uh, Dylan Cease has made four starts for the Kannapolis Intimidators, 18.2 innings. He has struck out 25 and walked 10. He had a Tommy John surgery right up to right leading up to that draft, his draft, and uh, and obviously the injury concern and getting back to baseball shape and getting deep into ball games are the tasks for Dylan Cease, but the strikeout levels have definitely been there, and the walks have been yeah, kind of what you'd expect, I think, from a, a guy with his past, I suppose. The uh, Those were the two big ones. Matt Rose and uh, Brian Fletta also acquired in that deal. Rose has played a handful of games with the uh, with the Winston-Salem Dash, 266, 324, 453. The slash line there, not too shabby for Matt Rose since coming over. Uh, I have misplaced the sheet that had Bryant's stats on them, so I'm going to get you that after a quick break. When we come back, I apologize. Uh, when we come back, I, I'll let you know this. We'll continue on with the Yankees deal. Uh, about 5.15, we'll talk to Scott Merkin of MLB.com, get the latest from Boston. But uh, before we hit the break, I'll tell you this, and it'll be our little segue. Baseball America released a list of the 61 prospects traded at for the you know in that deadline kind of range they went back through most of july and and ranked all the prospects that changed hands this isn't a top 100 i want to be clear uh they just ranked in order all the prospects that did trade uh, did get traded sorry helping verb there and of those prospects that got moved the white Sox had the first second and third come into their organization eloy jimenez was the top-ranked prospect by Baseball America that was acquired by the White Sox. Blake Rutherford, who we'll talk about next after a real quick news at 5 o'clock. He is the second-ranked prospect. White Sox got him from the Yankees. And Dylan Cease, who we just talked about, the fourth-ranked prospect acquired, uh, according to Baseball America. Willie Calhoun, actually, who got picked up by the Rangers from the Dodgers in that deal for you, Darvish, that just beat the deadline. Willie Calhoun was number three. And Dustin Fowler... Dustin Fowler, the young man who, who busted his knee up on that uh, catch at Guaranteed Ray Field on the right field wall. Uh, he's hurt, but was the is still the fifth-ranked prospect acquired. The Yankees uh, gave him up for Sonny Gray amongst uh, another two prospects, I believe it was. All right, 5 o'clock news is next. We'll continue on with the Yankees trade and let you know uh, what some of those young men like Brick, Blake Rutherford have been up to since getting into the White Sox organization. You've got WLS AM 890. Been going through all the trades the White Sox made over the last month. It is a franchise-defining month for the White Sox. You got White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. Friday, August 11th is Rock and Roll Night, presented by Guaranteed Rate as the Chicago White Sox take on the Kansas City Royals at 7.10 p.m. Rick Hahn says you should buy tickets for that game. Join us as we rock out to live cover bands before and during the game. Plus, be sure to stay for the post-game fireworks show to purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com. Went through the trade of Jose Quintana, and we're, we're just looking at the prospects the White Sox picked up in these deals and just kind of making it our farm report for the afternoon. Uh, we will pick things right back up with the big-time trade that sent Todd Frazier, Tommy Canely, and David Robertson all to the Yankees for Blake Rutherford and a couple other prospects. We will let Rick Hahn tell you about those gentlemen right now. 
This deal is a little bit different from the other ones we've done, but it accomplishes the same goal that we set out from the start, and that is to add as much potentially impact talent to this organization. Uh, Blake Rutherford, who headlines this deal, uh, we view him as a sil similar caliber player to some of the position players that now head up our top prospect list, a potential impact bat, left-handed hitter, uh, who has a chance to stay in center field and provide us not only with a, a quality at bat, but also uh, quality defense. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've spent a considerable amount of time surveying the market for each of these players individually and decided that the more prudent path to acquiring more talent similar to what we have uh, over the last several months, the, the, you know, the best path to acquiring the highest impact, potential impact talent, would be to bundle these players together. So I know it's uh, uh, perhaps a little surprising, uh, especially given what we had done over the last several months in terms of these individual trades, to see three players of the caliber of uh, Todd Frazier, Tommy Canley, and David Robertson all in the same deal. But in order to uh, get the caliber of return that helps continue the process that we've started here over the last several months, we felt this was the most prudent path to getting the most impactful talent in the organization. Uh, Ian Clarkin, uh, left-handed pitcher who is in Tampa right now, obviously a former uh, sandwich pick, has had some injury troubles along the way, but it, hopefully those are behind him. At age 22, he is having success in the Florida State League. Uh, has command of three pitches, knows how to locate, and uh, is an interesting guy with some upside that I look forward to having in the organization, working with our coaches. Tito Polo, center fielder who's gotten off to a torrid start in center field, uh, can run a little bit and, and swing it. Uh, and Tyler Clippert obviously helps fills a void created in our bullpen here today, uh, a veteran presence and, and someone who can help with some of the innings that have been vacated. Uh, in Rutherford, hey, uh, you get a guy that going into his senior year in high school was some people rated as the best player in that draft. Yeah. Just how high do you see his ceiling, and, and, and how excited are you to be able to get a guy yeah. that has that pedigree? It's, we're extremely excited around here. Blake was a guy who was very high on our draft boards. We debated him right up through making the pick last year. Uh, he has numerous supporters throughout the organization who have been championing his cause since since his amateur days, since that senior year of high school. Uh, I don't like putting comps on players, but we do view him as having a extremely high ceiling and a guy who, you know, when you start looking around at the Eloy Jimenez's and Luis Robert and Yo Mancada's that he fits into that potential mold of a, of a potential high-impact offensive player who can also help you defensively. You can check Clarkin as a starter going forward. We do. Again, we got to get to know these guys. And he's had, uh, he's, as I've pointed out, he had had a little bit of injury issues in the past. So let's get to know him and see how he handles the workload. And if he does, for whatever reason, wind up in the pen, then he could certainly be a value there as well. But for now, we, we view him as a starter. We're getting that opportunity. Ian Clarkin has started at one game at the Winston-Salem Dash. It's the high A level. He went five innings and struck out four. He walked five. Getting things together is Ian Clarkin. Blake Rutherford has hit 285 with an on-base of 346 and slugged 387 in his time with the Kannapolis and Intimidators. He and Jake Berger and Jamison Fisher and Gavin Sheets have all worked together to uh, provide some pretty powerful offense for the Intimidators the last couple of weeks since the deal those are the big trades. Uh, of course, Dan Jennings and Anthony Swarzak moved as well. Melky Cabrera, too. Uh, but we kind of ran up against it, what with um, 
Ricky Renneria talking a little bit and the potential news of a Ronaldo Lopez call-up. We're going to go to break real quick. When we come back, we'll talk with Scott Merkin of MLB.com and get the latest on what's going on with the Chicago White Sox out there in Fenway and see whether or not Friday's game is one that you really should get tickets for. We'll find out next. WLS AMA 90. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. We got you for another couple of minutes before we get ready for the pregame show. That starts at 535. We have been uh, doing a couple of things here on White Sox Weekly this afternoon. Going back through the month of trades that the White Sox had. Of course, big franchise-altering, future-defining type stuff for the White Sox over the last month. And I I think... You know, even though we'd prepared for it, at least here on the show, we'd prepared for it. um, I think it's been kind of incredible to watch it all happen, to watch it all actually happen. Um, You can head over to the website, WLSAM.com, and check out a conversation that I had with uh, Assistant General Manager Jeremy Haber this afternoon. Just click on the little White Sox Weekly tab, and you can listen to that. You can also, in case you're... uh, driving around and just about to get out of the car you can also listen to the conversation i'm about to have in live real god's honest time with scott merkin of mlb.com merk joins us now what's up merk are we talking batman again counter or is it white sox no we can talk batman or or white sox whichever is more comfortable for you let's just go white sox i think we did we paid our tribute to adam west the last time i was on the show that we did that we did what is going on scott merkin of mlb.com with the whole (laughs) ronaldo lopez thing what uh i know rick hahn made a little news at saber seminar what 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 do we know let's not forget at scott merkin on twitter too if you're going to give the whole absolutely not absolutely Um, you know i think rick learned that uh it's best to not say anything even if you're trying to be honest in a, in a in, albeit a, a you know a saber seminar charity event very good cause and he was speaking and uh he told us today that someone asked him if you know what what should he tell his son about um when some of the pitching prospects are come and rick said you may want to have him buy a ticket for friday buy tickets for friday and then you know he said he, he as he said, he kind of danced around it a little bit with us and didn't conclude anything for sure. What we basically know is Ronaldo Lopez is coming up here at some point. He's going to be up here before September 1st. That's almost a guarantee. He's pitching tomorrow for Charlotte. I believe it's tomorrow afternoon. And then I would guess he starts Friday for Kansas City. That's just my guess. And, you know, reading off a little bit of what Rick's I wasn't there, but what Rick said at the Saber Seminar the charity event, you know, for the Saber Seminar. But, I mean, it wasn't like it was, you know, that Rick announced uh, he was buying another franchise and moving it to Chicago or something like that. He announced <laughs> he announced kind of what we thought was going to happen. Ronaldo Lopez has earned his way up there, and I understand they want to protect innings. I understand that they want to put him in a good matchup for his first outing and everything there. And if you think about after that, I should say, and if you think about it, if they don't, you know, they're not pitching at Fenway and you're not facing Houston, which is, a, you know, a record setting offense. Brutal. Now, Kansas City is, you know, red hot, but I think that's probably a little more in the ballpark for a first start with him. And then he's going to probably, you know, not pitch in those two games in Dodger Stadium because they have an off day Monday and then comes and throws in Texas. And then from there, I think it's almost all AL Central opponents in September except for a series against at Houston. So, you know, he, isn't, he, isn't, he didn't go into any detail about how many more starts he'd make for the Sox or, you know, so forth and so on. He, someone, or one of the other reporters asked him about Giolito, and he wouldn't commit to that. You know, so it's just basically, you know, generalities. But I think you'll you'll see Ronaldo Lopez very soon with the White Sox. And I think 
you know, Rick usually talks the first day of the homestand pretty faithfully. So right. I think you may hear more on Tuesday. Maybe he doesn't just want to say it with the, with the young man pitching in Charlotte. I'd love to focus on Charlotte tomorrow. So Scott Merkin, MLB.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Scott Merkin. What, if you can, what are the benefits? What are the what are the pros? What are the cons? What, why not just wait until September first to bring him up? And you know, in, in your mind, is there is there a reason the White Sox should have brought him up earlier? I guess. No, I think they've handled this year almost letter perfect with the prospects. You know, I think they they have been accused before, not accused, but pointed at, and probably you know, somewhat rightfully so, where they may have rushed prospects a little bit. I don't think it's happened too much recently, but. This year, as part of this rebuild, they said, you know, there's not going to be any movement just to kind of validate moves they've made. They're not going to be any movement just because a spot opened up on the roster. They're going to be up when they've filled, they've filled every, you know, the answer to a question they had. They've dotted every I, crossed every T. There's a spot open for them. And when even if, you know, like Rick said, even if it's not meaning like Lopez is striking out 15 a game and has a one ERA, even if they feel like the next challenge he really has to grow is to pitch at the big league level, that's what they're bringing him up. So, you know, they worked it perfectly with Moncada. You know, I know people will kind of do the suspicion theory that, you know, it had something to do with service time and all that, but I really believe more than anything is they wanted to make sure these guys were ready. And I will say this, Connor, we were talking about this before the game with Rick and Ricky Renteria, that, excuse me, <clears throat> this group that's come up here is – very confident, not cocky, but confident, not arrogant. Like I talked to Aaron Bummer today who gave up the walk-off home run to Moreland last night, and his response was, you know, it's going to happen. I'm ready to pitch. Give me the baseball. Let's do it, you know. So I think that's kind of a tone Ricky Renteria set with this group from spring training. He was very involved from the top of the organization to the lowest level of minor league ball. And I think these guys, believe you look at Moncada, who started four for 42, and you know, he didn't seem to flinch. You know, you, you didn't see him sitting in his locker with his head down. You know, he, he's taken the right approach. It's just not falling for him right now. And he had two hits last night. Delmonico the same way. He's in the ball real well, but he looks, you know, while he's kind of learning left field, looks looks great out there. So it's, it's a good thing to have among this young, these young players. What kind of conversations have you had with White Sox coaches or, or even Mankata himself, as best we can talk to him, uh, about his – patient approach at the plate he's taken a lot of pitches and although i think we knew that strikeouts were always going to be a part of his game given who he was coming up through the minor leagues i, I don't know that i expected as many strikeouts looking as he's had we, we talked mostly about michigan football which Moncada doesn't seem to care sure, about that makes sense about. yeah that makes sense I, i'm gonna have to have a new topic for him no i i think you know one of the things that todd stuperson stresses hitting coaches you know hit your pitch doesn't necessarily have to be the fifth pitch of the bat. it might be the first might be the ninth and don't get yourself out. And that's, you know, been a problem with some young hitters in the past, not just the White Sox all over. And, yeah, I think Moncada's probably missed some pitches that he could have hit, but in the same sense, he's not expanding his own. He's following his approach. And if that means a few early strikeouts and a few early stumbles, that's fine. You know, Mike Trump stumbled early. Ryan Sandberg stumbled early. One's a Hall of Famer. One's going to be a Hall of Famer most likely. Robin Ventura had a great career. He stumbled early. Not everyone's going to come up and hit – you know, 420 in their first month of the season. So he, he's learning. And the, the thing that I think is most impressive about Moncada, and the one thing you heard that might be, you know, kind of hit or miss is his defense has been great. And I, and I think kudos to the White Sox on that, that they've kept him in his natural spot, and he feels very comfortable and really enjoys playing second base. What have you heard uh, about Moncada, or uh, sorry, Delmonico moving to a, a number of different positions? You know, in left field last night, he had the air. It was a little ugly, but he picked it up, made the right play, and then he makes a diving catch as well i i know ricky said that third base isn't going to necessarily have any time for him does that mean that he's got uh that delmonico's got plenty of time out there to grow 
yeah, I, I think, you know, nothing like playing, what, 14 games in the minors and left and then coming up and saying, you get to play in front of the Green Monster, good luck, kid, go, go have at it, you know? I, I think it's, it's it's the defensive equivalent of kind of facing a knuckleball, right? Yeah, You're never going to see anything like, like this again. But, yeah, you know, him and Daryl Boston every day working before the game, doing some, uh, you know, good after outfield work. And uh, Debo was telling me today that they came to the park and there was a little bit of rain and, Delmonico, so let's go. Let's go get. Let's get to it. So that's what's going to happen. He's he's going to be you know left fielder DH. It looks like with the White Sox moving forward, and especially in the interim, got a great capacity to learn. He's willing to learn. He certainly can hit the ball. There's no doubt about that. So you know he seems to have really kind of uh, entrenched himself favorably in this organization, and and I think they like the fact that you know he has no problem switching positions and fighting to to get better at it. Yeah, I, I got a feeling a lot of White Sox prospects, uh, with with very few exceptions, are going to learn more positions than just the ones they're playing right now in the minor leagues. Versatility well, is big. I mean, it's I'm sorry, kind of but I mean, it's it's invaluable to a championship team, right? I mean, look at the, the Cubs last year, the MVP of the National League. How many positions did he play? You know, I mean, yeah. he played he played third, he played right, he played left, he played first. Starting Chris Bryant, of course. So I mean, you know, I I think it's the way of baseball now. You have to have guys like that who, even if they're frontline players for you, they've got to be able. To, you've got to have that flexibility. It's it's the way. It's one of the ways to win in the major leagues. Yeah, Merck, thanks. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you again Anytime, soon. Anytime, Connor. All right, Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Yeah, Scott brings up a really great point. You have to have versatility, and it's not just. You know, the Cubs who won the World Series last year, you look at Bregman in Houston. He's able to play a number of different positions. Benintendi, actually, though he's been primarily an outfielder, he came up as a middle infield guy. Those are really great young bats who are able to play you a handful of different positions because of, A, intrinsic athletic ability. You know, that obviously has a lot to do with it. But, B, a willingness to go out there and do it. Be a ball player and learn a couple of spots. You know, it'll be interesting to see, looking through some of these uh, White Sox prospects, who's able to branch out and put a couple extra positions on the list. Blake Rutherford, a guy who might have all three outfield spots in him. Eloy Jimenez might not be that guy. You know, defensively, his profile, probably more of a corner dude. We'll see. It should be really fun to watch the development here. And I think one of the things we'll be looking to ask Rick Hahn uh, if indeed he does speak at guaranteed rate field on Tuesday, as uh, as Merck kind of predicted he would, not only about the p- uh, potential promotions to the White Sox, but what kind of promotions are you looking to do late in the season in the minor leagues? You know, who do you want to add? Who do you want to bump up a level for just a, a taste here at the end of the season? Maybe Eloy goes up a level. Maybe maybe Rutherford goes up a level. Maybe a guy like Ali Hansen is ready to move up for a handful of starts and see what things look like. Hey, Sox fans, for the first time ever, the Chicago White Sox are offering a limited edition cancer ribbon White Sox cap. $10 from every cap sold will aid Chicago White Sox charities and Rush University Medical Center in supporting cancer research. Caps are available in the park and the Chicago Sports Depot and online for a limited time. Visit chicagosportsdepot.com to purchase your hats today. We got to get out of here, Don. Is that where? No, that's the music. All right, so that means it. Thanks so much to Scott Merkin of MLB.com. Thanks a ton to Jeremy Haber, Assistant General Manager of the White Sox, for joining the show today. Thanks to uh, Don Kleppen and Dave Zaslowski for their help putting this whole thing together. If you missed any of it, even a a single second, WLSAM.com has the whole podcast. Speaking of podcasts, don't miss The Cycle. It's the Sox signature podcast. Comedian in Chicago and Pat McGann, along with a rotating group of co-hosts, chat with athletes and celebrities about sports life and everything in between visit and subscribe via your podcast app today 
I'm Connor McKnight. The White Sox pregame show starts in a matter of minutes. White Sox and Red Sox coming up right here on WLS AM 890.